Faith at the Fringe, a Sanctuary First podcast series. Uncovering God in the creative arts. At the biggest international arts festival in the world, Sanctuary First stops to ask, where does faith and art meet? Welcome to Faith at the Fringe, a Sanctuary First podcast series looking at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and where we can find faith there. And I'm joined today, my Albert Bogle, and I'm joined today with my colleague, Hannah Sanderson. Hello, everybody. And together we are going to be exploring what is chaplaincy all about in the arts in Edinburgh and also at the time of the Fringe and I'm delighted that we have with us David Todd, who is in fact a chaplain set aside to simply be the chaplain to those involved in the arts in the Edinburgh area. So I'm going to we're going to move over to you, David. Thank you for joining us. And I think have I described that properly? Yes, exactly <laughs> properly. Thank you. <laughs> so listen, tell us a little bit about your background and, and why do you feel the need to be a chaplain? to the theatres in the Edinburgh area? Um, so my background is in arts management. Um, after I left university, I came to Edinburgh and was box office manager at the Traverse, then concerts manager of the Scottish Chamber Orchestra around the Queen's Hall. I managed the Academy of Music in London, and then I came back to be the first theatre manager at the Festival Theatre when it opened. So I had a sort of 20-year career as an arts manager um, in, in venues and with orchestras. Um, and then uh, for the last 20 years, I've been freelance um, as a consultant. My speciality was theatre catering and <laughs> um, uh, because I set up all the bars and, and catering at the Festival Theatre and ran a restaurant at the Queen's Hall and I've done some hotel management. So, so, um, towards, so more recently, I decided uh, that I, I felt a call to ministry and when I became a lay reader, uh, Greenside Parish Church were looking um, for a project in the arts and um, I applied for it and um, became first chaplain to the Playhouse and to the Omni Centre, which is next to the Playhouse. So in the area of their church. And then from that, because I had worked in the theatres, I became chaplain at the King's, the Festival Theatre and then at the Royal Lyceum Theatre. So you've got a real inside track into how theatres work. Yes, and that's quite important. I, you know, what in the workplace, in any workplace chaplaincy, um, you are looking after people while they're working. And if they're in need, then you're a, an asset. If they don't really need to speak to you, then you can get in the way. So, um, so my experience of working in the theatre helps me to know when I might be in the way and when I might not be. So I suppose that leads me into the question then, that how, is it, how do actors and theatre staff react to you as a minister being around them? I mean, yeah, so it, it, it's, um, it's quite interesting because I started as a lay reader um, so I wasn't wearing a clerical collar. I mean, I had a badge that said I was the chaplain, 
and some people would ask, what is that? Um, but at the last um, couple of years, I've been wearing a clerical collar, so I'm very noticeable. Um, and in fact, there was a, a lovely occasion. We had the Rocky Horror Show at um, the King's, and people dress up for that show and, and heckle and things like that. And I went to meet the cast afterwards in my clerical collar, and they thought I was just dressed up for a sort of Vickers and Tarts party. <laughs> 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 but um, but it, it, so they so they know who I am and uh, and and they I mean this chapter goes back a long way it goes back to the late nineteenth century when uh, parish priests would help actors find accommodation so that, and there was a thing called the Actors Church Union that's now Theatres Chaplains of the UK so the, a lot of theatres do have chaplains um, a, a lot of them have parish priests who don't have a lot of time may, maybe not as much time as I have. Um, but uh, people do know about, about chaplaincy and, and what they can offer. And uh, our, our biggest offering, really, is for resident companies and for visiting companies where people have problems that if they discuss them with their company manager, it might jeopardise their career. Mm. Whereas if they talk to me about them, I'm entirely neutral, impartial and, uh, and confidential. Mm. Uh-huh. I'm fascinated about this scene I can imagine in my head of you turning up to at the back of the Rocky Horror Show and then there could have been all kinds of gaffes, couldn't there? But it makes me think of a question that um, I wonder whether you've got an opinion on. The arts can sometimes be uh, really on the edge, really pushing forward, really kind of saying things that have, have not been said before. You know, in the kind of Christian world, we might call that a kind of prophetic voice. I was listening to a Dawn French interview where she said, if we're not shocking, if we're not provocative, if we're not pushing those boundaries, um, then we're not doing art. Um, do you ever find, you know, a conflict around that? Or what would your opinion on that be? Um, it, so it makes me think of, uh, of a musical um, that I was involved with about Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, uh, the writer... Um, I was there as a sort of audience consultant, and the writer used the C word mm-hmm. in it, and I said, you can't do that in a musical. Um, and then I was at the King's recently at a National Theatre of Scotland production of Orphans, um, when in the second song, the C word appeared in every single line. Right. <laughs> I had to sort of think, you know, how does this, how does this work? And mm. in fact, it, they used it so much, it became ridiculous. Mm. But I think, I mean, I, I agree with Dawn French. Mm-hmm. I think one does have to... Uh, but there's also a value in, in just telling stories mm. and, um, and, and, and helping people to, to realise where we are in the world yes. and, and, in, and, in, and in creation. Mm. True. Mm-hmm. So, thinking about all this, then you ever get this question you were asking? You wanted to oh, ask? No, yeah, Dave, <laughs> a bit of a but, weird question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was wondering, in your opinion, is there a theatre person? Now, for people listening on podcasts, I have just done those inverted commas <laughs> with my fingers. Those theatre people. Um, do you see a difference? So at the Omni, you know, you're talking to people, maybe they're working in the restaurants, maybe they're selling tickets at the, th- at the cinema. And then the, with your chaplaincy work at the theatres, perhaps you're interacting with actors, perhaps you're interacting with producers and um, stage managers. Do you see a difference in the personality type? Do you see a difference when interacting with creative people, people in the theatre? Do you see a difference in how they engage with the world, how they engage with perhaps spirituality? Is there a difference or are all people the same? Well, I I mean, 
First of all, I deal with everybody, not mm. just the actors. Um, so the, the, the technical staff, the front of house staff, are, are also part of my remit. Um, and uh, in the New Testament, um, Jesus often calls the Pharisees hypocrites. Um, which in Greek is the, the word for somebody who uh, pretends to be somebody that they're not. So actually actors were called hypocrites. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the people in first century Palestine didn't approve of theatre, that Judaism didn't approve of theatre, but the Greeks did. Um, and so when Jesus calls the Pharisees, Pharisees hypocrites, he's, it's a sort of double whammy. He's being yeah. really rude uh, because they <laughs> would hate to be thought of as being. And of course, so actors, um, even today, have a lot of the time to, be pr to pretend to be somebody that they're not, mm. to take on the role. Um, but when you meet them off stage, um, then I think they are like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're an act. And in my experience, um, Often comedians who you think are really funny mm. uh, can be quite morose mm. and quite difficult off stage, mm. Mm. Uh, and and they're they're you know they they are that's their other persona. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. I, I, really, I think that's a good answer you've given because I do think that sometimes we can put people on a pedestal if they're an artist or they're for a particular profession, but what you're saying is that in reality, not most of us. Most people who are, are in different professions don't want to be put on a pedestal. They want to be seen as men and women who are also struggling with this, the, the, the problems of life and trying to make sense of it. Well, they are. And I mean, uh, particularly actors um, are out of work a lot of the time. Um, musicians have a slightly better, easier time because a lot of concerts are, are one-offs or short tours. But actors who are doing six-week or even six-month tours, um, trying to fit those in with other tours uh, can mean quite long times of, of unemployment. Um, so it's not an easy life uh, being an actor unless you're very successful. And even if you're very successful, it's not always easy. Yeah. 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 So I, does this give you, in this that the kind of downtime or when people have got time in between you know, shows, do you... How do you go about doing chaplaincy work? Do you meet them some? Do you meet some? Do you say to people sometimes, "Can we catch up for a coffee outside of the work situation?" Because I take it that you're not. There will be times when people want to talk to you about faith issues, and in the theatre there, then that might not be the place to do it. So, so but I, there there are two two categories. There there are the visiting companies. Um, which um, the Playhouse, the Kings and Festival Theatres have, uh, have touring companies who are here for a week or two, maybe a bit longer, but um, that sort of time. And I would, I would go along and meet them when they arrive, um, uh, uh, meet them after the first night, um, meet the company manager and introduce myself and say, you know, I'm around. If you, if you need me, give me a call. Um, and, and so I can, and the Lyceum, when they set up a company, um, I go to the meet and greet and I'm introduced and then, you know, my contact details are in the theatre. Um, uh, and, and then there are the resident companies. Um, and, and so somewhere like the Festival Theatre, I can go in um, on a regular basis and sit in the cafe mm. and people will come and speak to me or, or they'll ask me to come in. Um, to, to, to meet somebody. So, uh, it, you know, in a way, it's quite a big congregation, so I can't keep in touch with them all, all the time. But, um, the, you know, in, in an... I, I sometimes feel, particularly when I'm going into the cafe, um, 
I wonder if anybody will speak to me. Mm. And will I be disappointed if nobody does? Um, on the other hand, if nobody does, that also means that there's no need, mm. <laughs> that they're all, mm. they're all on an even keel and mm. happy. So it's a sort of um, a, a funny dichotomy of knowing, uh, you know, wanting to be helpful, but then if nobody needs help, um, that's surely a better situation. Yes, of course. Give me an interesting glimpse there into what you're saying there about the travelling, uh, this travelling actor. Uh, you become almost like a, in some ways, you're like a, a trusted fixer that if there's something locally that they don't know about and but they can come to you and ask about it or get information about something at a local level you're someone they can trust yes yes exactly I, I, and i can you know if they need specialist help here in edinburgh as a chaplain uh, i have a list of of, of contacts because um, i'm not trained um, to do very much more than listen um, but as as we know, uh, listening it can be um, as important mm. as as anything else. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm, I, I recently had a meeting with Equity um, about the sort of relationship and and how how that works. Uh, the the chair of Equity now is Maureen Beattie, a Scottish actor whose father Johnny Beattie was a famous variety yeah. star. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a great chat, and she's really interested. Um, particularly post-pandemic, in the well-being of actors, and and ha and and she sees chaplaincy as a valuable resource uh, to offer support mm. in in as I said before in an un in a non-judgmental way. Yeah, I mean, David, I, I must be honest and say, surely also as people who know the Lord Jesus and know how Christ has changed our lives and how Christ cares for. The lonely, the weak, the, the the desolate, but also wants to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Isn't that a great privilege to sometimes to be able to talk about Jesus as well? That we're, I would imagine, as a chaplain, you want to do that. Although you, when you're invited to do it, is that not a great joy to do? So it is, um, and I mean, I I don't do it unless I'm invited to do mm. it. Um, the Theatre Chaplaincy UK has a, a policy of non. I can't even say it. Never mind, do it. <laughs> um, uh, and 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 so I, I would I would only respond to somebody that asked. But what I am doing all the time is showing the love of God to everybody, uh, and 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 very clearly in the theatre to people of any faith or none. Um, and some people say people of all faiths, but I, I don't know many, many, very many people who are of all faiths. No, but of I know people of yes. any faith yes. or none. And I mean, a lot of my work is with people who are not of the Christian faith. Mm. But I'm still there. I'm a presence mm. showing the love of God. Yeah. I think, can I tell you a story? This is connection that I think is relevant. My, I have a nephew who was involved with the counselling. And like you, he was not allowed to talk about his Christian faith. But what was driving him and was the love of God for the people he was counselling? And he once told me he was counselling a, a, a drug addict who was struggling with getting, uh, getting through his addiction. And, you know, Jonathan said to him, you know, you need to face the truth about yourself. And once you face the truth about yourself, that will set you free. And Jonathan said, the guy looked at him and he said, that's absolutely brilliant, Jonathan. Where did that all come from? And he was able to say, 
Jesus of Nazareth, the truth will set you free. And so there are opportunities, aren't there, where we can speak the truth and it touches people's lives because the Spirit of God picks these words up, doesn't he, and changes people. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I just do think that we, we need to never underestimate that sometimes the opportunity to be direct about faith as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah I think sometimes we just need to sometimes take the risk. Says the born evangelist here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but, but in a kind way, in a loving way, not, not ever in a way that's judgmental, as you said. So, so one of the things that I've done, um, not always in the fringe, but definitely in, in the rest of the year, is to ask theatre management to give me free tickets for refugees. Mm. Um, and uh, I've been working with Syrians and Afghans mainly until recently when I've been working with Ukrainians. And... Uh, there was one time I got tickets for the pantomime and I wasn't able to be there. I normally welcome the refugees, give them their tickets, and then I have a budget to give them an ice cream in the interval. And, and they just love it. They love coming to the theatre, and particularly to children's shows. The children mm -hmm. um, have good English and understand, and, and they know about Peppa Pig and Paw Patrol <laughs> and things like that. Um, and, uh, and, and, and this time I couldn't come to the pantomime. I said to the theatre, will somebody look after them? And they put on an extra member of staff just to look after these guests. Mm. Um, so there were 30 people, perhaps. Um, and, they, and that member of staff did what I did. And then they said, oh, you know, we could look after that in the future. And I said, well, no, actually, I quite like doing mm. it. Because it gets me into the theatre, not just hanging around, but actually doing something um, practical and, and proactive. A lot of chaplaincy is, is just being there mm. if you're needed. But if you're not there um, all the time, then when you're needed, they won't know... Of course, they won't, they won't be reminded yeah, of you. Yeah. And, so yeah. the biggest job I ever did was during the International Festival, and um, I got a call from, the, from one of the theatres. They had a company from Australia, and one of the, the lead actor had had a heart attack oh. and gone into a coma. Um, and they were in their early 50s, and the company was in shock. Mm. And uh, I was called to a company meeting um, uh, to look after them. Um, and the, the really interesting thing was... Well, there were two interesting things. One, the, the company was part of Western descent and part of Aboriginal descent. And they flew an Aboriginal counsellor over from Sydney uh, to be with them. Um, and I looked after the, those of Western descent. And the company meeting was... was a, it, it, you may, it made me realise how different we all are. In Britain, if there was a company meeting like that, it would be to decide who was going to take the role and how the show was going to go on. For the first half of this meeting, which probably lasted two hours... There was no question that they were going to do the show. Mm. They were in, in grief. Their friend was dying, mm. and she, she did die in Edinburgh. Um, and, uh, and, and then very, very gradually, some voices started saying, well, we've come halfway around the world. It's quite a big story to tell. It was part of Australian history and the relationship between Westerners and Aborigines. And so eventually, they did work out a way of telling the story. But um, I, I was fascinated that they put their friend, um, you know, before the show. Mm, mm. Mm. I'm interested in, um, you told us a little bit at the beginning about, you know, you started off in working with orchestras and theatre management and um, bars, which is always fun, um, and things like this. And then obviously you then said, and then I got the call as to, you know, to use jargon to, to enter, enter ministry. And so therefore you're in a unique position. We've had lots of wonderful podcasts with brilliant artists giving them, giving us the artist's perspective on faith, but you're 
both worlds for us. You know, you're straddling both worlds. And I'm wondering here, this podcast is about finding the spirit of the creative God in the creative arts as they descend and flourish in Edinburgh. What do you personally think the role of creative arts is in faith and in God's story? Uh, well, um, they're part of creation. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and everything is inter interconnected. I mean, we now know that um, the ratios that apply in harmony, in music harmony, are the same ratios that apply in astronomy, in anatomy, in architecture. I mean, everything in the world is created. And, and the more that science develops, the more we realize how very in interconnected we are. Um, so so they're, they're sort of... Uh, they are, there's a, a huge, a very, very close relationship. Mm. And um, I, I don't know if this is quite, my experience with the orchestra, for example, um, I had to do a funeral uh, of, of one of the orchestra um, from, the, from, you know, from, that I'd known for 40 years. Mm. And his widow said, I, you know, I don't want um, all, all this resurrection business. But, you know, as a musician, he played in the Matthew Passion and Messiah in, in, C minor mass of Mozart, um, the B minor mass of Bach. You know, it, it, you cannot in in the arts ignore um, religious music, faith music, Christian music. Um, in fact, I went to a concert um, the other day here, uh, where the main part of the pro, it, the main there's BBC singers, and they sang a mass setting by Frank Martin. They sang Introits by Mendelssohn, um, and and you know it was, and it wasn't billed as a, a religious event, mm. but there, there, there's nothing more religious than a than a mass setting mm, mm. Um, so so that they, they they sort of can't I, I can't separate them in, yeah. in my mind and and I was brought up in a church of Scotland man so my father was a minister um, and and so church going was always something that you know we had to go to church or something. Yeah. and when I came to Edinburgh I joined the choir of St Giles Cathedral and I sang every Sunday for 30 years and so all the time I was um, going off touring with orchestras or running the theatre or the Queen's Hall um, every Sunday I was in church and so when I became freelance and was juggling all sorts of different things, I, I, I sort of wrestled with what, you know, what should I do? And, and the one constant thing, the one, the thing that was sort of most important in my life was my faith mm. and that, that regular worship. Um, and, and for me, worship is, is, public worship is really important. And it's not unlike theatre mm. um, in, in many respects. Um, uh, and uh, uh, so, I, so I, that I decided that I, I felt a call to mm. ministry, and I'm particularly interested in in uh, liturgy and worship. And the chaplaincy is actually a nice sort of balance to that because that's all to do with pastoral work, but also facing a community, a community that's not necessarily Christian at all. Mm. Um, in fact, a, 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 a huge number of them aren't. And a huge number of them are of other faiths. Mm. I mean, the, the the refugees I've taken to the theatre are mostly Muslim. Mm. So I, when I started, we couldn't uh, they couldn't come because it was Ramadan. Right. Um, so it's only recently with the Ukrainians in, in Edinburgh, I took 40 of them to see the Lion King. Um, and it was very, very... So there were children aged between 6 and 15 and their mothers, um, mostly living in hotels. And... The, the, I, the story of the Lion King, and I don't think it's a spoiler alert because everybody... <laughs> um, so Zimba, the son, um, is banished because he's um, accused of murdering his father. And he makes friends with a uh, water buffalo and a meerkat in a foreign land. And they eventually persuade him to go home. And the 
poignancy of his homecoming mm. was not lost on these refugees mm. who are all hoping to be back home at Christmas. It was mm -hmm. very moving, actually. Mm, very. Mm. So here's a question to um, think has become to round up our podcast today. How do we link ministry back into your ministry of what you've been doing for these years back into the church? And is there a missional learning that the church can have from someone like yourself who's been involved with the arts? And how do you get that message back into the church if there is a message there? Well, I, I wouldn't presume to tell the church how to <laughs> organise its business. But um, I do think that I am able to represent the church, but uh, more, more to offer the love of God in the workplace to people who would struggle to come into a church. Um, and, and so being out there amongst them, um, at, and okay, I'm not, I'm not going to touch them all, but even if you touch a few, um, that, that is, 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 is building a relationship. And I, I don't have a building. Um, so I, I, I did a baptism recently in a private house, and that's not um, generally done in the, in the Pisky Church. Um, uh, nor, I think, in the Church of Scotland. No. Um, but um, I, I explained um, to the local uh, rector and to the bishop that um, my congregation aren't church people, mm. but if they want their child to be baptised, then who are we to say, mm. oh, no, you've got to come in? And actually, it was wonderful because it was in a private room in, in, in a, uh, you know, the sitting room of their house. The, the little girl, she knew everybody there, um, and we were able to create a very gentle atmosphere something that would have been much harder in a big church. Um, uh, and so that, so, so I, I was able to connect and, and I've done, I haven't yet done a wedding, but I've done funerals um, mm. in the arts. So I, I think, and I hope that, that the church will recognize that, that chaplaincy in, in all its forms, not just theater chaplaincy, is a way of, 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 of spreading the love of God and, and the message of Jesus um, w without having to heat a building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, of course, Sanctuary First is very much in that, in that vogue, in that area. And uh, I do also share the, the, the idea that we have people who come and ask, could their child be baptised or could we conduct a wedding uh, or a funeral? And, uh, you know, you're always there to try and see if we can connect with, because of the Church of Scotland's parish system, you can, you, we can usually connect through a parish to make all that happen for someone. One more question. How do you keep in touch with people who have been with you and you have maybe given pastoral guidance to? How do you keep in touch with them over the, the following months and years? Um, well, with a lot of them, it's not easy. And, and, and one hopes that one's been of help while they've been in Edinburgh. Um, and, and then when they move on. But I, I've now been a chaplain for seven years and I was in the theatre for about 20. So, I mean, I, I, I do get to know people. And, and although I said that during the fringe, I don't, I'm not as busy as I am at some other times because everybody's going to 23 shows a day and they don't have time to speak to me. But a lot of people come to Edinburgh and I actually find myself a lot of um, the time during the festival going out and meeting uh, former colleagues people that I've met in the past. And, and it, it's, it's a wonderful magnet that it brings them all back to Edinburgh at this time. Can I thank you very much for being with us today and for sharing in a, this podcast. 
And I don't know if there's anything you would like to maybe just say. How would people, someone, if someone's listening into this and they're they're in the theatre world or in their, their arts and they're looking for support, how would they go about connecting and contacting you? Ah, good question. So uh, in all the theatres of which I am chaplain, uh, my contact details are there backstage and front of house. There are little posters um, giving people details. Uh, as far as the wider... Um, uh, Acting well, I don't know how. I, I don't know how. They, well, they could get in touch with me through Theatre Chaps the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I had I have had two visits out of the blue from young people who wanted to be theatre chaplains who had come to me through that route. Wonderful. So that that obviously works. Mm. We just wanted to give you that opportunity oh, for a you. bit of a publicity <laughs> because everybody's been getting a bit of publicity for what they do and you deserve the same, thank the same you. Well, that's very kind. opportunity. <laughs> and one other thing we've been doing is at the end of each podcast, we've been asking and thanking those who've been listening in to giving us the time to listen to this podcast, which has been really interesting, but also to thank you, the listener, and also we would like to say a blessing just to be with you, God might be with you and strengthen you, whatever your circumstances are. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and always. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening and watching. Until the next time, God bless and have a good day. 